Well, good morning. If you could open your Bibles to John chapter 19. That's John chapter 19. Uh, while you're doing that, I just uh, figure I'd talk to you a little bit about, you know, my experiences here. You know I generally have a lot of practice in social distancing. I kind of enjoy it. I'm the tech guy. I'm usually behind a camera, not in front of it. So this is always an interesting experience for me. But there's always a bit of a occupational hazard for being that kind of guy. Because when it comes to social situations, I have a habit of misinterpreting things from time to time. Sometimes it can be embarrassing. Sometimes it can be damaging. Sometimes it means that I miss things that are very, very important. And I take some solace in the fact that when I look in the Word of God, I see in the Bible, I'm not the only one who has the experience of misinterpreting the words people say given the situations. In fact, I'd say that one of the things that you can learn from the passage that we're looking at today is that people can misinterpret even what Jesus says, even very important things that Jesus says. So if you could turn to John chapter 19, I'm going to start reading at verse 28. It's only going to be three verses, and to be honest, I'm only going to be preaching on three words in the last verse I'll be reading. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. When I look at that passage, I have to admit, when I, when I hear it is finished, I, I myself can misinterpret what's being said there. It's sometimes a little ambiguous to me. And the disciples, given the context that they're in right now, are even more likely to misunderstand the phrase there. You see, the disciples loved Jesus. They had spent time with him over and over again for three years. They'd heard him say wise things. They had seen him do miraculous things. They had very high hopes placed in Jesus. And yet, at this point, on this day, they watched him die. They watched their friend in whom they had placed immense hope. The person they had called Lord. They watched him die. Now, at a time like that, it's right to be grieving. It's right to be sad. The problem comes in in that the disciples didn't merely grieve. 
Some of them despaired. Some of them didn't know what to think. And because when they heard Jesus say, it is finished, they imagined a lot of different things. Well, they lost hope in who Jesus was. How do I know this? Just if you flip back to Luke, which is the gospel immediately before John, near the end in Luke chapter 24, verse 19, this is now, spoiler alert, after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus is talking to two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. And among things he says, he says to them, you know, they, they say there are these things that they had hoped about Jesus. And he says, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Now, if you read the story in Luke, it's actually a fairly amusing story. I'd, I'd really recommend it. But for the moment, notice what they say there in ver verse 21 of Luke 24. We had hoped in Jesus. We hoped that he would be the uh, savior of the world. We hoped that he would redeem Israel. But... I guess we were wrong because he's dead, isn't he? And when you hear the phrase, it is finished, that tends to be what you'd, one of the things that you could imagine. If you're a disciple sitting at the, at the cross or just hearing about what Jesus said with their friend dead and despite what you may have heard about ancients, you know, having magical thinking and all kinds of things, they knew death was usually permanent. I mean, they've seen Jesus do some miracles, but that's why it's called a miracle. It's not something you expect for death to not be permanent. And so their friend is now dead. It's final, they think. And so when Jesus says it is finished, maybe they heard, my hopes are finished. My friendship with this man I, I, I've grown to adore as a friend is finished. Maybe they would have said their lives were finished because they put so much trust in Jesus and Jesus is now dead. And, I mean, given the context, maybe they meant the wine was finished. When I was a kid, I actually thought that was what was being said here. But you see, John, when he was writing his gospel, crafted his gospel in such a way as to make it clear to us, if we're a little bit careful, what it is finished really means. And friends, it isn't that Jesus is finished. It isn't that hope in Jesus is finished. <laughs> in fact, quite the opposite of a sign of defeat. Jesus, though trembling, though likely uh, unable to speak very loudly because he's almost dead, he's claiming victory. Victory over many things, as we'll see. This is not a call to despair, but a call to faith and hope.
That's going to be a hard uh, argument to make, I think. But I think it's pretty clear. And the reason is, again, this is going to be a little bit difficult here because I'm going to have to do some language work here. I apologize for anything technical that slips out of my mouth. The word that we hear as it is finished in the Greek when we're reading the Bible is actually just one word, tetalistai. And I say that, I, I usually say you shouldn't read Greek to people because honestly very few people read Greek. But that's important because it comes from a word that we might recognize, telos or end. It's where philosophers get the word teleology or uh, a study of ends or fulfillments. It's a fairly common word. It has a lot of different uses. In fact, if you go through the New Testament, depending on what you think about textual criticism, there are about 336 different times when something with the root of telos is used in the New Testament. But let's be strange about this a bit, because when you go through the book Gospel according to John, one of the larger books of the New Testament, the word, the word and its family is only used eight times. Seven times before Jesus says to Talistai, it is finished. And in fact, this is the last time it's used, which is important for whether or not this was actually Jesus saying that the wine is finished. If you go a, chap a chapter or two further on, again, Jesus is resurrected and they say that breakfast is finished, they use a completely different construction. What Paul, John is saying is not about the wine. What is finished is not something that, that close. And yet the context might cause us to believe that. So let's look at the times when it actually is used in the gospel. And Remember, John is an interesting writer. He's not a simple writer. Remember that as Pastor Steve took us through the gospel according to John, and he's, I believe, still in there, there are seven signs throughout the gospel. And he says clearly at the end of the gospel, I chose these seven so that you would come to believe in Jesus. There are thousands and thousands, he says, if all the books in the world were filled, it wouldn't tell of all the things that Jesus has done. And yet he chose these seven to explain why you should believe in Jesus. And so these seven instances that come before Tetelestai will probably explain to us a little bit more what John is intending for us to see when Jesus says, it is finished. So if you're writing these things down and you want to know, these instances happen in John 4, 34, in John 5, 36, John 13, 1, John 17, 4, and 23. And then, interestingly enough, in the passage I read at the beginning, in, ver in chapter 19, verse 28, twice, and then the eighth time, in verse 1930, when Jesus says it is finished. So let's just go through these. The first example, John 434. 
Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish, there's our word, his work. You see, when Jesus says it is finished, one of the things he's saying is that the work my father sent me to do is finished. What he sent me to, to accomplish, I have accomplished. God's requirements that Jesus for Jesus' life are fulfilled. What he came to do, what God had told him to do, is done. He is not a sinner. He has fulfilled all that God has called him to do. It's accomplished. God's requirements for the life of Jesus are finished. God's requirements are met. Then you go a little further to John 5, 36. It says, But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Jesus is speaking here to explain why you should believe that he is the Christ. And the reason that you should believe he is the Christ is because of the works that the Father has given him to accomplish. The works that, as I just said, he has fully accomplished. So when Jesus says on the cross, it is finished, he's saying that he's lived a life that is clearly a sign of who he is. Just put your thinking cap on for a moment. When he says in John 5, 36, that the works I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me, he's saying that he's doing things that nobody else could do unless they were sent of God. What he has accomplished in his life, what he has accomplished in his death, no one else could do. And because no one else could do it, we should have a strong faith in him. Your faith, my faith in Jesus Christ has a full, a perfect, a fulfilled ground. By the way, all of those words are things that can be used as telos, fulfilled, complete. That's the second point. Our faith in Jesus is complete and grounded. But if you go to John 13, 1, and this is a very important one because if you have your Bibles open and some of your Bibles have a little footnote at the end of it is finished, they'll often refer over to John 13, 1 because this is probably the closest parallel. That's important. In John 13, 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the telos, to the end. When he says that he loved them to the end, when John reports this to us, he's saying that God's love for us is fulfilled, is finished in Jesus. 
when you see Jesus on the cross and when he says, it is finished, his love is exampled, but also fulfilled. He has greater love has no one than to give up his life for his friends. And he has given up his life for those he loved, his friends. And friends, if you have faith in Jesus today, you are his friend. He loves well. And so the third point that we need to remember is that God, God's love for his people is perfected and complete in Jesus Christ. That's what is being said when he says, it is finished. I'll do two verses now. Um, these are John, this is from John 17, 4 and John 17, 23. In 17, 4, it says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. This is Jesus speaking during what's called his high priestly prayer. And then further on down near the end of the high priestly prayer, he says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Now, I really strongly recommend that you go through the high priestly prayer of Jesus at some point. It'd be great if you did it today. Because that is a full explanation of the prayer that Jesus has for us who have faith in him and what he accomplishes on the cross for us. The prayer has an awful lot about our reconciliation first to God the Father through Jesus Christ, but also to one another. You see, when Jesus said, it is finished, at the end, he's not just telling us that, the, that his, his work is finished. He's not just telling us that, his, uh, that the righteous requirements are met. He's not tell, just telling us that, his, that our faith is full and complete and grounded that his love is complete, he's saying also that our reconciliation to God and each other is also completed. It is finished. Finally, in John chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus says, or as Jesus is on the cross, and as we've already read, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, and finished and fulfill are both the same version of the word. Friends, Adam preached last week or sorry, it was Steve actually, that preached last week on uh, the I thirst. And he explained to us how Jesus in his thirst thirsted on our behalf. His thirst showed that he was fulfilling the needs that we have for reconciliation, for acceptance to God. That the wrath of God would be visited upon him and he would take it all. He faced the thirst for our sake. He faced the difficulties on the cross. He faced death for our sake. 
And so when Jesus says, it is finished, he not only tells us that his love is fulfilled and perfected, that, his require, that the requirements of God are met, that our faith is full and complete and grounded, that our reconciliation is completed, he also says that God's just wrath on our sin has been fully absorbed. That's a hard one to talk about, really. Most of us don't like to think about this one. At least not openly. It's a little easier right now uh, talking just to a camera for me to talk about it, but in the darkest times of, my of the night, sometimes I realize the things that I've said and that I've done, and I think, wow, sometimes I'm a terrible guy. Sometimes I've done some really horrible things to other people. And, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty straight-laced guy, and I, you know, am a, I isolate myself a fair bit. And if I've been able to do some pretty terrible things to other people, I'm pretty sure that, they're, that I'm not alone. And God is just. We know that God is just. It's written throughout the entirety of our Bible. If it weren't for the fact that I believe in Jesus Christ, I think it would be hard for me to understand that I can face a God who is just, recognizing the person that I've, I've often been. And I mean, I, today I'm sure that there are people who have, are having similar troubles. You know the things that you've done. You know that they're actually horrible things. And yet, you want to know God. You want to be reconciled to God. Yet you know that there's something about justice that would require some payment. And friend, you're probably correct. But God didn't just reconcile us by sweeping things under the cosmic rug. He didn't just take the... Uh, things that we've done and forget about them. All sin is punished. All of it. And those of us who are saved, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, Jesus Christ takes the wrath that we deserve. Jesus Christ takes that wrath on himself. And so when Jesus says, after these seven other times of talking about finishing and things, it is finished. The wrath that we richly deserved, the full cup of the wrath of God, was taken in Jesus, and he drank it to the end. And that is is finished. So there is nothing now holding those who are in Christ Jesus separate from God. Jesus has finished the wrath of God. He lived the life. He fulfilled the requirements. 
He lived a life in such a way that we can know him and put our faith in him. He perfects the love of God. He shows us the love of God. He completes the love of God for us through his life and through his death. It's finished. Our reconciliation to God and to each other because there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our reconciliation to God and each other is finished. The wrath of God, the wrath we richly deserve, is now fully absorbed by Jesus Christ. And that's a huge deal. And all of that, all of that is in that single word that he speaks on the cross as he dies. It is finished. I told you that it was said seven times before this. The word is used, the construction is used seven times before Jesus says to Talestai. And those of us who've followed through with Pastor Steve going through the Gospel of John know that seven is kind of an interesting number for the Bible. It's a number of divine completion. So you'd think it would make more sense for Jesus to finish there with saying, you know, it is finished as the seventh time. And yet it's the eighth. And this is probably the most important thing that the apostles, the disciples missed when Jesus said it is finished. This isn't the end. Good Friday is not the last word for Jesus, for the disciples, for us. In fact, it's not the end. It's the end of the beginning. Because the eighth time, when Jesus says, it is finished, he is marking a new beginning. A new beginning for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. A new beginning for a world that had been lost in sin and death. A new beginning for you and me. And this was all lost on the grieving disciples because the context didn't tell them everything they needed to know. They would have to wait for three more days. But friends, you don't have to. We don't have to. If you and I don't have faith in Jesus right now, this is an opportune time to put your faith in Jesus Christ. We know now. We can see through what all John has revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit to us. That when Jesus said it is finished, everything that we need for reconciliation to God, for eternal life, for the trans trans transfer of our wrath away from us, to have our sins cast to the bottom of the sea, as the Psalms say. All of it is fulfilled in Jesus Christ when he says, it is finished. So what are our applications for today? There are two. One of these applications is pretty pedestrian and Probably not that, in, in, not that interesting, though it's an important one for us to remember, and especially in times like right now. 
Beware of despair. Beware of the times when, because, uh, because we are isolated from one another, we imagine that the world will never get any better, that things are lost, that uh, there's nothing for us in the future. As we look at our bank accounts and realize that it's going down and we don't, have, don't know what's going to happen in the future, beware of despairing at that moment. The disciples despaired when they saw Jesus say, it is finished. They completely misunderstood what he said. It's easy for us to misunderstand the world that we live in. It's easy for us to misunderstand our situation. So if you have these kinds of feelings, if you feel yourself despairing, first of all, don't trust it. Go talk to other people. I'm going to go back to my computer in a few moments, and so you can text me if you're feeling that way. And we can talk. And hopefully I can give you some perspective and help you understand that the world is not nearly as dark as you think it is. But that's the lesser one, because the second and more important application for today is the hope that we have in Christ. You see, even if everything is as horrible as we can possibly imagine it to be, even if you really are doing, hor you're doing horribly, there's still no room for despair. Not if you know Christ. Because it's finished. You can turn to him. You can seek after him. You can find him even right now. You see, when Jesus said it is finished, he finished God's requirements. If you feel that your life is not measuring up right now, that's okay. It's finished. Christ's life measures up. If you think that uh, you don't know what's going on, you have so many doubts and things, it's finished. The ground of your faith is in Jesus Christ, and he is, he has finished it. He's finished our need for that. Do you feel that you're not loved or you are unlovable? Friends, it's not based in your ability, but in Christ's ability to love. And his ability to love is full and perfect. Do you feel that you aren't reconciled with your friends, your neighbors, or God? Well, I can't give you the exact mechanics of uh, reconciliation with the people next to you, but I can tell you that your reconciliation to God is complete and finished. And when Christ comes in, in, at the end, your reconciliation will be complete with everyone around you too. Because it is finished. Your reconciliation is complete. Do you feel that there's no way anyone could ever forgive you and you deserve to be punished horribly? It might even be true but it's finished in Jesus Christ. You can know right now peace with God, regardless of your situation, regardless of whether you think that your life has been a waste, because 
It's not about us. It's about him. And when he said, it is finished, he was telling us that everything that we require for our lives and for eternity was finished in him. Truly, it is finished. Let us pray. Lord God, you do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. And we so easily forget the many things that you fulfill in our lives. Lord God, we pray now that as we turn to the next uh, part of our worship, we pray that you would work in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives to love you as you deserve and to trust ultimately that it is finished.